Okay, why don't we take out our Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. It's around page 1021 in the Bibles under the seat in front of you. I'm continuing on in our Community on Mission series. This is part six of the book of 1 John. And today's sermon is entitled Anointing and Abiding. And I got a super weird passage to go through with you. I'll explain it and hopefully it'll be real easy afterwards. But Pastor Brian designed out this series and has he not done an extraordinary job over the last number of weekends? Now, somehow, some way, he gave me the weird one. And I think it was just payback for all the times that I've given him the weird portions. All right, praise the Lord. But I want to draw your attention to the fill in the blank there with just a couple thoughts. I have been very open to you because of my solid identity in Jesus, knowing that what you think of me does not ultimately matter. Therefore, I've been very open about my nerdness. I've been very open about the fact that I am a collecting geek, that as a matter of fact, I have a dork level that is very high. Um, I, I collect comic books. I collect sports cards. I'm a little treasure hunter, right? So you've heard me share this. I, my greatest dream is that someone would say, you know, Lance, we have this storage unit that's been sealed for 42 years. There is nothing but dust and treasure in there, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I'm the kind of guy that like a warthog roots around through goodwill trying to find the magic thing, right? I love this kind of stuff. I was hanging out with my stepmom the other day going through some old stuff, and she had a pristine ticket stub of 1971 from Jesus Christ Superstar coming through right in Las Vegas. And I was like, man, that is awesome, right? You know, I got a chance to meet the singer that did that. You know, he uh, partially lives here locally in town. He's a believer now, and he has quite the amazing testimony uh, for the first guy that was on tour as Jesus Christ Superstar. So all this stuff, I was like, wow, this is so exciting. So, you know, it's so dorky. I get it. My wife is embarrassed. <laughs> but in talking about collecting and all this stuff, let me just share a couple things that you may or may not know. The Beatles, the band, not the bug, the Beatles released an album uh, a while back called Yesterday and Today, I believe is what the name of the album was. And you will probably know it as the cover that's called the trunk cover. So there's a trunk, a steamer trunk that is opened up and all the four Beatles are on there and the rest of the cover is white. Now you know that and probably have that image if you're a Beatles fan, you kind of know that image. But do you realize that that was not the original cover? The original cover was actually uh, a picture of them in white smocks with raw meat on their laps holding baby doll parts. Is anything unsettling about that? Yeah, so they released it, and that's called the butcher cover. They released that and immediately received so much heat and backlash, it was all pulled off the shelves immediately. Instead of destroying the initial run, they decided to paste a copy of the new trunk cover over the butcher cover. So there are some copies, there's only very few, I believe there's about 300 or less original butcher covers left, but the ones that were masked over, there's probably about 1,500 in circulation. How would you know? Because it's completely covered. 
Well, it is the reverse image that where Ringo has a little turtleneck type diamond is in the white part above the trunk. So you would look through and you can see through and go, oh, this is one of those. Now, those are highly collectible. How would you ever know that if you were just looking at an album cover to know that there's another album cover underneath? Now, that is something that only a collector would know. In a comic book, uh, a comic store in modern day, if you walk through and everybody know there's two major comic companies, one is called Marvel, one is called DC. So if you ever uh, think of uh, Superman and Aquaman and anybody named man and woman, that kind of thing, right? Those are all DC. The modern comics, uh, as you're collecting them, if you walk through, you will say, First printings are more valuable than second printings, meaning they do an initial run, and if they went, wow, that sold a lot, they will reprint them, but they don't want them the same because then that ruins the value of the first printing. Well, if you walk through, I can scan with my eye and say, if that is a bluish hue background, that's a first printing. If it's red hue, that is a second printing. They change the cover slightly. How would I know that unless I was a collector? What is my point? I do have one. (laughs) Imagine this, that there's an idea that you can see things when you spend an awful lot of time with them that everyone else can't see. There's a reason why we spend a lot of time in God's word. There's a reason why we spend a lot of time in our personal interactions with him. What is that reason? The the fill-in-the-blank on the sheet in front of you, it's this. If you know what is true, you can recognize what is false. If you know what is true, you can recognize what is false. Anything valuable in the world has a counterfeit. Anything valuable in the world has a counterfeit. Only the truly trained eye can tell whether or not it's a counterfeit. But I need you to understand that whether it is the call of your mom at night calling you to dinner. Many moms call out for the kids to come home for dinner, but only your mom sounds like that. When I was young, very, very young, my dad had a whistle where he would whistle with his fingers and it was so loud. Other people can whistle, but it wasn't that tone. I knew that tone from somebody else's tone. You see, when I was over in Israel, And Israel is very modern, don't get me wrong. Israel has technology beyond many other nations of the world. They do crazy stuff with desalination and all that. They are very, very brilliant. But when you get away from the big cities, it starts getting pretty remote. And I remember seeing modern-day shepherds out there hanging out with their flocks. What a horrifically boring job, right? You just wander around and hang out with these animals. All you do with a sheep is simply make sure they eat, don't go anywhere. And if they wander away, you got to go get them. So most of them don't want to have to get up and go follow the sheep. So most of them name their sheep. And all it is, is let's say you named your little lamb that always wanders, named him knucklehead. What's the point? Because he knows your voice. So what would happen is when he starts to wander, you go, whoa, knucklehead, dude, we're not doing that. Get over here. And he's like, sorry. And he kind of wanders back in. (laughs) You know, the Bible talks about Jesus being the good shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice. 
What is the point? You see, one of the reasons we spend so much time in the word of God is that little alarms should go off if something doesn't sound right. You say, you know what? That's not my Lord. That's not how he talks. That's not what he would say. That there's something, whether you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a preacher on the radio or you're watching someone on TV, when they start preaching out and talking about your God, the one that you love the most, and they go off on something, if alarm goes off and goes, whoa, 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 that doesn't sound right. That's because you have heard the truth. Now, I'm not telling you that God doesn't blow my mind all the time. I'm not telling you that God doesn't have anything new for you. At all times, God can be weird and mess with your head and do all that stuff. But there's something about the tone of the Father that you need to be tracking on. You see, even in the Bible itself, you can know it backward and forward, and eventually even certain verses stick out to you, and you go, I don't even know what to do with that. Because it highlights as odd. For example, you could be going through the, the book of Peter and all of a sudden stumble across a verse and he says, and that's why we baptize for the dead. And you're like, I'm sorry, what's that? We do? No, we don't. I don't. <laughs> right? And you would have to go, I have to dig in and figure that one out. Why? Because it doesn't sound like the normal thing he says. Y'all, that can only happen with time spent. You can't always rely on other people to give you your connection with God. It's got to be you and him. You got to read the word for yourself because that way you can set your alarms accurately. If you only listen to other people teach it, you'll set their alarms, not your alarms. Does that make sense? Uh, I believe it is so critical and crucial that we know the voice of our heavenly father. You know how, um, have you ever left your cell phone somewhere with people that like to photobomb it and they just like to take it and start messing with your phone? Okay, here's the thing. I have done that and some of my staff members have done that to me and there's all these weird photos afterwards. But anyway, I can, if somebody texted me and immediately it said Susie Hahn, my wife, and it texted through, I know how she texts. If someone grabbed her phone and started texting on her behalf, I would know instantly what was wrong. Because I have spent so much time with the real deal that anything otherwise fires off an alarm. Do you have a deep walk with God that would allow you to know whether or not you're being led astray? I think that we all need to have that. Let's dive into 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, 18. Here's the story I'm going to tell you real quick because for whatever reason, he gets all Yoda in the middle of this. He starts talking weird and all this thing. So here's the story. Pastor John was running a fledgling church. He's writing back to them because as he moved on in his ministry, a bunch of bad guys came in, started teaching them that Jesus wasn't all who John had said he was, that he wasn't really the savior. He wasn't really a big deal that you can get to God if you knew some special secret information. They were like, listen, we have a new training module and it would tell you this is how you can really get close to God. It's not so much about Jesus. You don't really have to listen to John. We got this one. It ended up causing so much problem in the church that when leadership came against them, they just bailed and started their own group. 
That's what's going on. So let's take a a listen here. First John chapter two, verse 18. Here's how he starts. Like normal as a pastor with a great heart towards his flock, he calls them children. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. All right. First of all, once again, sounds cryptic, sounds like a Halloween movie. Here's the easy way to understand it. Jews had two ways, two types of time. You had before the Messiah, after the Messiah. Love that. We do that in our own calendaring. You have BC, you have AD. If I said to you that guy came in 517, you would say what? BC or AD? I got to know whether or not it's on this side or on this side. So all Jews, and John is a Jew coming from a Jewish mindset, he said, this is the last hour. That is the same concept as the last days. That is the same concept as after the Messiah. So you have before the Messiah, after the Messiah. If you read this and say it's the last hour and you're like, oh my goodness, we're right on the edge. The world's going to end. And now you realize he wrote that 2000 years ago. You're like, wow, John's terrible at this. He doesn't know what he's talking about. The last hour simply means that when Jesus came, it changed everything. Did it not? You now have the Son of God coming and incarnating here, becoming flesh, dwelling among us, dying for the sins of the world, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ripping the curtain from the top to the bottom so that that which stood between man and God was removed, and now everybody had access to the Lord. In addition... Pentecost hit, the Holy Spirit came screaming out, lighting a flame over their heads and indwelling all believers. That's called a game-changing season. No wonder we would write time as before all that was anticipating it. After that is the effects of that. We live in the after. We live in the end times, the last days the last hour and you go well in what sense is it the last hour i mean come on two thousand years like when is jesus coming back i have no idea right if you're here trying to figure that one out good luck for you right when you figure it out let me know i'm gonna ignore you anyway really really smart guy came up with this concept he said when you're talking about the return of jesus being imminent or close think about it like someone running on the edge of a cliff They can run for a really, really long time on the edge of a cliff, but at any moment they can turn and that's when it hits. So the point is you're always near when Jesus is coming, but it can extend for an infinite amount of time. Why? Because Jesus can come anytime he wants to come. We may not even finish this service. You understand that? At any moment, Jesus can return. However, it can also be another thousand years. Because God knows in his timing. So here's what he said. Children, we are in that post-Messiah time. And you knew, Jesus told you, when I show up, the real deal, there's always going to be a counterfeit. There's always going to be an anti-me. 
They're either going to pretend to be me or they're going to go against me. But there's always going to be counterfeit. Why? Because of the value that I'm bringing. It is so infinitely valuable, the enemy is always going to try to counterfeit it. So let's talk about this antichrist concept. Antichrist merely means against God. There you go. Not super hard to understand. From the very beginning, hasn't there been Lucifer fights in heaven, tries to take God down, becomes who we know as the devil or who we know as Satan. There's always been the anti-movement, yeah? Okay, that's not new. It's been throughout history. Then it starts getting closer and closer and it culminates more. We've had leaders throughout history that have been anti-God, have we not? I mean, who fits the anti-Christ label better than Hitler? You know what I mean? You got Stalin, you got Mussolini, everybody's assuming everybody's the antichrist. They are a type of antichrist because they stand opposed to God. Now, will there ultimately be a individual that's the antichrist, the epitome of the indwelling of the enemy? Yeah, I think there is. You can disagree with me, but I think there will be at one point. Does it matter? Eh, kind of. Here's the point. There's always going to be an against God movement. Are you on the for God movement? Are you part of God's team or are you part of the enemy's team? Okay, these false teachers that had come into the church, they were standing against Christ. And John said, I think we clearly know who they are. Jesus always told us they were coming. Well, here they are. And when they didn't like what happened, they bailed out. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour, the Messianic age. They went out from us, verse 19, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. What is his point in saying all that? Y'all, if they were legit, they would have hung in there and been part of the church. They bailed out. They left the church. That's evidence. They weren't part of us. Now, let me be very clear on what it is saying and what it's not saying. When he says they went out from us, he does not mean they left the local church. He means they left the big C church. They're no longer calling themselves Christians. They're doing their own thing. Because... Here's what happens. There are some pastors that are little control freaks, right? And they think anyone that questions them is automatically of the devil. And that if anyone leaves their church, suddenly they're banned and they're horrible people. Okay, listen, it's complicated to try to figure out what's legit and what's not. Let me tell you how complicated it is. We all think that we can understand a cult if we saw it. Oh, well, so-and-so goes against the church. For example, let's take Joseph Smith. Right? Everybody familiar with Mormonism? Latter-day Saints now, right? Because the guy was like, hey, stop using the word Mormon. Okay. Latter-day Saints. Joseph Smith is going along, and we can all argue about his motivation. But bottom line is he said he had an experience with God and said, I don't think the church is legit anymore. I think we need to go back to doing it right. So I have a new revelation from God, and I'm going to lead us this way right? 
And we all look and we go, ah, man, you should have seen that one coming a million miles away, right? That's totally not legit. All right, you answer me this. From a Catholic perspective, what's the difference between Joseph Smith and Martin Luther, the reformer? Because didn't Martin Luther say the same thing? Hey, this isn't legit. You guys, we've lost our way. We need to go back. I think God has been very clear that we need to adhere to what he was really saying. I think we've added a bunch of stuff in there and dogma. I need to purify the church. And they said, well, we don't want that. You need to go do it somewhere else. And he said, all right, I'm going to do it wherever I can. We are all part of the Protestant, the protesting movement. You understand? That's a little bit similar. So how do you know when one is legit and one is not legit? How do you know you got to be patient and watch the fruit? I know we all want to make snap decisions. Oh, those people are bogus. I can't believe they said that. Or, oh, they do weird stuff, so they must be bad. Oh, well, we're always making these judgments. You have to be patient and watch the fruit and the character. What is their ministry? What is their movement creating? Long term, is it creating more passionate believers in Jesus Christ or in some way are they leading them somewhere else? This is what John is going after. He said, if they were truly part of the bigger C church, they would have hung in with us and submitted to leadership. They didn't. They did their own thing. That's how we know they're not legit. Pick it up in verse 20. This is a little hard to understand at first. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. What does that mean? Well, remember, we're reading someone else's mail. Here's what it means. When those guys came in, they said, we have special knowledge and a special anointing where we have something where we can get close to God without Jesus. John said, first of all, that's stupid. Second of all, You guys already have the anointing. What is the anointing? The Holy Spirit is within you. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. That is all the confirmation that you need that you're a child of God, right? He said, so we're not going to play the eye of a secret. We're not doing that. You already have the knowledge. What do you need to know? The pure gospel. You guys had it. You have it right now. Don't move from it. We're not going off into tangents. We're sticking with what we know. The gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Here's what he says. Verse 21. He said, y'all, I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth. What does that mean? He said, y'all, I'm not going to play their game. They said they have secret truth they're going to give you. I'm not here to give you the other secret sauce. I'm just telling you, I'm writing to you because you already know the truth. You already know the gospel. We don't have to keep chasing stuff. We don't have to keep trying to find another way by which we can get to God. Verse 22. You want to talk about liars? Those false teachers were liars. Let's say this. Who's the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. What is he saying? Y'all, 
you want to talk about who are the bad guys, they're the ones trying to take Jesus out of the mix. You can't get to the Father but through Jesus. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, no man gets to the Father but by me. Yeah? So this whole bogus movement throughout history, all religions lead the same way. They're all on the way to God. No, they're not. There is only one Savior. That's Jesus Christ. There is only one gateway. That is Jesus Christ. So this whole business about, hey, let's get into the details. And I want to I talk to you about my new movement in Christianity. And we all need to get back to one issue. Anytime somebody comes to your door, anytime somebody comes to you from a different faith, ask them one main question. Who is Jesus Christ to you? It's the only thing that matters. Because I'll tell you what. If it is not in Christianity, you're going to see a distortion when it comes to Jesus, right? Islam is not going to say they're going to say Jesus Christ, good guy, prophet probably, but mm, savior. No, you want to go what through Hinduism? They're trying to get to God, but there's no Jesus. Buddhism, you want to get to God, but there's no Jesus. You always want to get somewhere, but they're trying to bypass Jesus every time. Christianity is unique that it says Jesus is the only way. I'm going to tell you that is a fact. There is no other Savior that showed up but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. It says this, verse 24. Y'all, kids, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is a promise that he made to us. If we're connected to him, what do we get? Eternal life. The word abide means to connect, remain in relationship, be with. He said, I need us to always go back to the basics and make sure we know what we're talking about. This I know. The Bible told me that Jesus loves me and that he initiated And he gave me an opportunity to become a child of God. I know this fact. That I was lost. And now I'm found. I know this fact. That God had to come get me because I couldn't save myself. I know this fact. That the Son of God came and dwelt among us and died on that cross so I might have life. These are things that I know. That's what we need to be focused. Let that abide in you. Let it be rich in you. Let's wrap it up in verse 26 and 27. He said this. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from God abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you that secret stuff. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it taught you, abide in him. He's trying to just warn his kids. Guys, I know they rattled you. They kept saying that there was another way and that your way was bogus. I know they scared you. I know they said that you didn't have enough, that Jesus wasn't enough. I'm going to tell you they're liars. Jesus is always enough. You know, it's important to me 
that as we go through this whole message series, that all of us are on the same page when it comes to God. For example, do you realize that we're not going to heaven in groups? Right? We all go one by one. That's why the road is narrow. That's why there's a gate. You have to go by one by one. Why is that important? Because you don't get to heaven because your spouse is a believer. You don't get to heaven because your parents are believers. You don't get to heaven because your kids are believers or your friends are believers. You see, as everybody is passing through, you see, Jesus is going to have this big beaming smile and just go, man, it is so good to see you. It's about time you got here. But as he's going through and he looks at your spouse with this big beaming smile and then you show up and he said, whoa, I'm sorry, who are you? Right? Well, my wife, she's totally into this stuff. Is she now? You not so much? Okay. Every one of us have to answer to the Lord about our personal relationship with Him. It's always about relationship. You see, He said, to those who love me, they get to be with me. Do you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever opened up your heart to Him and given Him your life? Or are you still living for you? You see, I think that many times we think that there's God and then super evil. A lot of times it's, it's just God or selfishness, right? I don't think it's too dramatic. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? Let's close this out. What I would like to do is close out and give anyone an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus and have everything that I'm talking about be true for you. This is where you open up your heart to the Lord. This is where you say, God, I'm tired of doing it myself. I need you. I don't even know what it all means. What I do know is that I don't want to live for me anymore. As you confess your sin, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says that there is no stain in your life that he can't root out with his goodness. It says that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So whatever you got, you're bringing to the table, God can handle it. He just wants you to show up. Shall we have a little bit of prayer time on that? And then the altar is going to be open. All these prayer warriors have showed up, just hoping that you would come up for prayer. And you can come up for prayer about anything, any need that you have. If I prayed for you this morning and your fellow believers prayed for you this morning and you still have not had breakthrough you might want to come up and get a little bit more prayer from the prayer team all right but right now we're just going to focus on making sure everybody's part of the family yeah let's pray heavenly father rescue us that god that for every single one that can hear my voice or see my face that lord that they would know that you are god let your love sweep them off their feet Give them a picture of the power of the cross that you died in their place that if they would say, I no longer am for me, I'm for you, that you said, that's all I needed to hear. I want to rescue you. God, you are so good at rescuing. So Jesus, be our savior. Each and every one of us, we confess to you, we're out of line. 
We confess to you that we've been selfish. We confess to you that we need a rescuer. So God, please do what you do. You're always the one that initiates. You're the one that gets all the glory. We're not being good enough to earn our way. We are desperately in need of you. So right here, right now, in our hearts, we cry out to you and we say, be our Lord. Be our master. Be the one that guides our life. Help us to be all about you. Help us to be all in for you. Wash us clean of our baggage and our sin and our problems. Lord, allow us to have a mind remade into your image. Show us, God, what it is to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God, may everyone that can hear me be overwhelmed by your kindness and your love and run to your arms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.